You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. Our podcasts are available on Apple, Spotify and on SoundCloud. For more information and to listen to hundreds of podcasts, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. In this episode, a recording from the third webinar organised as part of Framing Ageing, a clinical, cultural and social dialogue. The webinar consisted of parts one and two of panel five, methodologies. The fifth and final speaker was Professor Robert Schweiningberg from Leiden University, who presented on Ageing, the Risk of Life and the Urgency of Art. The images used in the talk can be viewed in the video of the webinar, which is available on framingaging.ucd.ie. So these artworks uh, by South African Dutch artist Malen Dumas, and these are sculptures by Belgium artist uh, Belinda Brukia. Why am I showing these artworks? Uh, a short project description of the Framing Aging Research Project includes the following sentence. And, yeah. Uh, it de-essentializes the notion of biological matter, of the body and bodily change, of mind and matter, and of the natural chronology from birth to death. Of course, I agree wholeheartedly with this, but how do you avoid that to de-essentialize? Um, in fact, goes no further than introducing multiple perspectives. How do you make sure that to de-essentialize means that the fluidity the indeterminacy of concepts such as body and physical change, matter and mind, is consequential to scholarly thinking about these concepts. It is my contention that we cannot do without art if we want to achieve this theoretical consequentiality of to de-essentialize. But first, let me explain why it is so important to take the to take to the essentialized so seriously. Biomedical research on healthy aging is consequential for society in a number of ways. To a much greater extent than the humanities, the medical sciences determine tone and content of the social and academic debate about aging. And the tone of the medical view of aging is in a way antagonistic. Some of us, at least I am, are old enough to remember this call. The longevity issue of the MIT te technology review replaced war with old age. Old age is over if you want it. Which is um, uh, what is implicitly implied here uh, in this replacing of word, words is that old age is the enemy we are at war with and that we can beat this enemy only with the help of the medical sciences. The whole issue contains all kinds of articles that confirm this view. In this issue, there are no fundamental reconsiderations, reconsideration of who and what we are as humans in the face of all these medical innovations regarding uh, aging. The underlying medical notions about the human body and who and what we are as humans are not challenged. And the question remains how to prevent 
that a humanity's perspective on aging is not unnoticeably fed by, 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 by biomedical ideas about who and what we are as human beings, about health and old age. Another reason of the power of the voice of the medical sciences in society is that medical research into aging has gone hand in hand with commercialization, the commodification of old age. For example, this company with commercialization of novel therapeutics targeting human aging, and this company with as mission uh, this statement um, words like targeting and and this chilling phrase the aging process and diseases of aging have robbed humanity of the elements of life that make it worth living reveal specific conceptions of what it means to be human and of human physical and mental growth and decay and again old age is presented here as the enemy we must fight in addition, there's the ever closer financial entanglement between biotech industry research and academic research. And I can recommend this book if you want to know more about this, um, uh, this entanglement. Um, which, and this entanglement raises all kinds of questions of whether academic independence in ethical uh, considerations can still exist. For instance, here's an example of such financial uh, uh, relation between uh, GlaxoSmithKline and the uh, University of Berkeley. And here is a response to that. Where's the line between industry and academia? We should not underestimate the combined power and impact of biotech industry and academic medical voices on the issue of aging, and we should not overestimate our humanity's impact. However, this bleak conclusion is an inspiring reason for me to take the de-essentialized project very seriously. As humanities scholars, we must ensure that in academic and public discussions about aging, we apply our own point of views about what it means to be human that enable us to analyze and criticize the medical approach of aging at a fundamental level. The medical approach to aging ignores the fake wishes and desires of individuals in everyday life, the complexities and ambiguities that define or rule our individual life, the opacity of our own needs and desires, the uncertainty and risk of life that we experience every day, which give our lives weight and substance. At the end of 2019, I stumbled upon uh, the book In Praise of Risk by Anne Dufour Mattel, a French philosopher and psychoanalyst. A few months later, the book had an almost creepy topicality. In these times of COVID, everyday life is now dominated by a risk, by risk on a scale that most of us, at least in the Western world, have not, have never experienced or even imagined. We only have to open up the newspaper to read how difficult most people find it to deal with uncertainty, with the simple observation that life is risky, ambiguous, and complex and that this has always been and always will be the case. 
it turns out <clears throat> to be very difficult for most of us to accept that we can't expect certainty in our lives. However, it is paradoxical in a sense that the elimination of all risk is an important value for medical sciences and not entirely unjustified, of course. This does, however, mean that within biomedical sciences, ethical considerations about a medical innovation as such are no longer considered separately from patient safety and risk assessment issues. If patient safety and benefits are guaranteed, then a new biomedical application is almost by definition ethically sound. The medical sciences thus contribute to the idea that creating a risk-free society is possible and the most desirable goal. Dufour-Martel describes how we have become accustomed to transferring risk to the logic of the market, and the commercialization of risks by making us dependent on medical and luxury products that promise us healthy aging and a happy and risk-free life. However, Dufour Martel shows in her book that risk is the inalienable core of our personal lives and that trying to avoid but also denying risk leads to erasing your own existence. She writes, I quote, the very utterance of zero risk is an absurdity because it actually would annul the very reality of which it attempts to speak. Peril must be faced head on. This is the least among the forms of courage that might save us. We can recover from pain, catastrophe or mourning, but evil will always claim a share. We will never be saved in advance. For her, Dufamatel, the risk of life is not a risk of dying, but risk is intensity, the leap into the void. The risk of life is the risk of opening something that is hidden of unexpected insights or perspectives. The risk of life is the possibility of a transformative event. The risk of life in the sense that Dufamatel gives to it is an important starting point for me when I think about who and what we are as human beings and what, what, what we want to become and how we want to live vis-a-vis -vis medical developments in the field of aging. To accept the risk of life, life is to accept that we will never be able to grasp the complexity and ambiguity of our own life. Only from an openness to the risk of life can we understand that the medical sciences are not good advisors on how to deal with the complexities and ambiguities of our life and our aging bodies. However, we need more than theory to be able to understand in depth what the risk of life means, what its value is for your personal life. And art can help us to develop such a deeper understanding. Art can give us a more embodied sense of the risk of life. What an artwork can do is um, to open up a space that is not characterized by certain experience, but rather by a cloud of association that emerges in a disorderly way and colonizes not necessarily to question the subject of the work of art, but to re-examine ourselves. In such a contemplation, the work of art can offer space for alternative ways of being in the world 
a space which undefined possibilities without predefined structures, without goals. A space where the things of the world, among them my body, have the freedom to appear without any imposed structure. It is an approach to a work of art that is not without risk. It is taking the risk of, a new, of new experiences and knowledge, even if they are wanted, are unwanted or disturbing. An artwork can open up a space that ruthlessly challenges my ideas about my own body and life about what it is to be human, and as such requires an existential exploration of my own reflected and ethical notions on these matters. In any case, that was my experience when I looked at these paintings of Dumas and the artworks uh, and the sculptures of the Brucaea. Unfortunately, and to conclude, Irina, I don't have time to describe that experience in detail but if you take the time to relate to these works, both bodily and intellectually, then one experience is ultimately inevitable. Your body faces another body that shows poignant traces of decay and disintegration. As a viewer, I intuitively perceive those traces as the traces of the risk of life. The work of art becomes active in my own body, in my own life, I'm touched, it has an impact on my body. The work of art becomes an appeal for me to relate to my own body and all matters concerning the body, individual identity and social multiplicity, atrophy and change, aging and frailty, and the ominous desire for permanence. These works do not give answers or consolation or resolutions. The only thing that they do is to open up the charged space that is a work of art in which I, as beholder, am challenged to investigate the ethical reality of my own aging body and my own sense of humanity. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Framing Aging. For more information on the project and to access podcasts and videos from our events, check out the project website at framingaging.ect.ie.